Hello. Hello. How's it going? How's it going? <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> you are fully bearded. Yeah, this so I was growing this thing for my wilderness expedition and um it's getting like almost unanimous rave reviews. So I don't mm. know, it's sticking around for a little while. Nice. Yeah, I dig it. You look yeah. you look very mountain manny right now. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of weird too cuz it's like reddish and my hair is not. So Yeah. Spencer has that thing too. Yeah. Everyone's getting a kick out of that and I'm they're like this is the longest I've ever seen it on you. I'm like me too. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so. cool. Keep it up. Yeah. It's the uh I work for myself beard. Mhm. I might have mentioned this before but the rowing team that I've been uh rowing with for the past few weeks have only ever known me as a bearded person. Nice. So. <laughs> I'm like reinventing myself. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah it's the best the best thing about new friends. Mhm. Just be whoever you want. Exactly. Oh, I see you're also rocking a level shirt. Our whole intro should be me talking about things that our podcast listeners cannot see. That's great. <laughs> yeah. That's great radio. Do you have new artwork on your wall behind you, actually, between those <laughs> windows? <laughs> I do. Yep. God. We are miserable at this. Oh, man. It's almost as if we've never done this before. <laughs> yeah. Total amateur hour over here. Um, so, yeah. Uh, we should talk about other things. Yeah. Do you want to go first? Sure. Yeah. I took a little bit of time off. I was gone from Thursday through Monday on this Boundary Waters trip. Man, I have to say, like, I think I probably have the same conclusion every time I step away, but it's such a refreshing experience. And this this was particularly new for me because I'd never really camped before, just like very easy level camping. And this was quite the opposite, where we basically got uh, shuttled over to this spot and we had canoes and we dropped them in the water. And over the course of four days, we canoed 20 miles and had to portage where we just basically picked up all our stuff and hauled our canoes across land. And yeah, it was a it was a great experience. And it's funny how this was probably the most disconnected I've ever felt where coming back into civilization was a little bit disorienting. And it like took a day for my mind to get back into the swing of, okay, now I'm going to sit at a desk and write code where the previous days I all I've been thinking about was how am I going to keep mosquitoes off of me? And what's the next physical challenge I'm going to have? And it was fun though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the best thing to me. It's just like your necessities yeah. shrink down so much. Yeah, yeah. And to be in a place where like if an explorer, you know, had come through this area, it would probably look identical to how it looks now. It's pretty untouched up there. So it's cool. It was a good experience. How is it carrying a canoe over rough ground? Um, that was harder than I thought. Well, I, I wasn't sure what to expect with these portages because I know they vary. Some are really long, some are short, some have hills, some don't. And I went ahead and carried the canoe on the first portage we had to go through. And uh, there was a little bit of an elevation change and part of it was kind of swampy. So there was like a wooden plank that was just laid down and realized at that point, okay, I basically need to walk a beam for like 10 feet. <laughs> and so a few times I stepped to the side and my foot sank down into mud ankle deep. And I was just, you know, doing everything I could, could to not drop that canoe. <laughs> mm, damn. Are there like backpacking straps on these canoes or something to like stabilize it on your shoulders? Or are you just straight up hauling it? Not really. Um, yeah, it's just, there's just the, the thing, the yoke in the middle where it's basically balanced and they're not that heavy. I think they're like 50 60 pounds but of course they're they're pretty long they were two-man canoes so the second to last portage that i didn't carry the canoe on luckily my canoe mate did was uh, had a staircase so you had to walk up these stairs and then there were some 
some makeshift stairs with rocks and an area where you were just kind of like hopping over tree roots. And uh, yeah, that one was very precarious. It's always good to push yourself like that. Yeah. It's just like, don't die. Don't break anything. Don't twist an ankle. And yeah, it was, it was good. <laughs> and you made it back. So you survived. Yep, I did. Cool. So that was good. And then in level land. So this week I've kind of been back to uh, writing some more code. And I've also been going through a bit of an exercise to try to organize my tasks. I've done a few iterations of this where I started out with just a spreadsheet where I sort of brain dumped everything that I thought, you know, needed to be built. That was, of course, just like several hundred lines long of things, which was, I think, a good starting point to kind of try to wrap my head around it. That I didn't end up kind of keeping up to date. It sort of fell out of date quickly. And as I, you know, whiteboarded things, made different decisions, it kind of fell out of sync with with what I was envisioning. So that was kind of iteration number one. Number two, I tried just like filing issues a couple days in advance of of me working on stuff so that I would always have a short list of things to work on. And that was good for a little while, but I kind of lost sight of the overall scope of the project and started to feel a little bit concerned that was I giving enough attention to the areas of highest risk, which are the like the things that I've yet to fully figure out. So now I'm kind of rolling into my third iteration of of organizing stuff. And it's kind of inspired by a feature that Basecamp added recently called Hill Charts. Um, I don't know if you've seen this. I have. Yeah, they're very cool. Yeah. And basically, the idea is thinking about tasks in terms of where they are in the spectrum of, you know, totally unfigured out, uncertain, still needing problem solving, all the way over to the making it happen phase where it's like, we know what we need to do. The path is clear. We just have to implement. I definitely have a bucket of things in each category. And I thought through like, what's the best way to do this? And I think I'm starting out with just a Trello board where I have kind of a a card for each functional area. So like a card for groups and a card for about posts and about user management and spaces. And then I'm using checklists in there to sort of just enumerate fine grain tasks. And I have two columns in there, one for things that fall in the category of pretty certain already, you know, figured out and then the the uncertain column. And so that way I can sort of keep making progress on the things that are certain, but also, you know, trying to keep high visibility on things that are still questions or not even tasks yet. They're just kind of like open-ended questions about, you know, how should the inbox work? How should notification policies work? How do you specify urgency on posts? I mean, they're like things that I know I'm going to need, but they're not even well-defined enough to be called a task yet. They're just like an open question to be figured out. And so this has been a, a good exercise. I'm, I just started working on this uh, earlier today, but already feeling pretty good about the visibility it's giving me. That's awesome. It's crazy what a good organized system does for your mental health. I'm sure just having that all out there was calming for you. Yeah. Yep. Maybe there's a blog post in the future kind of about learnings for, you know, project management on early stages of a project where you're, you're working through a lot of unknowns and, and a lot of problem solving is happening because it feels quite different than it did, say, in the later stages of Drip, where most things we could just write a spec for and it just made sense to file an issue and keep that in the backlog. And it was all pretty straightforward. And I just feel like that that flow doesn't totally work when like a large portion of the project is still pretty uncertain you kind of want to de-risk it as much as possible. And the areas of highest risk are those things that are not yet figured out. But I think there's a balance to strike there where you don't want to 
you don't want to let all your unknowns kind of stall your progress. And I find that, you know, working on the knowns will lead to discovering solutions for your unknowns as you start to see the product take shape and you can play with it and actually use it and not just, you know, look at a mock-up, but actually play with it in the final medium. Yeah, I really like that that Basecamp model of recognizing that there are things in different phases. There's a figuring out phase and an implementing phase. And if you have one list, it's not a great representation of what might need to be done. Like one line item about like, how do we handle this thing could in fact be in such an early phase that it's actually, it could explode into 50 different things because it's at that actual like idea phase right now. One of the things they talk about that's a good like forcing function about this is, you know, if you have something that's kind of sitting stalled in the figuring out phase for too long, then that could be an indication that you haven't broken it into small enough chunks. Are there pieces of that that are figured out and known that can be, you know, you can split this off and then it makes sense to move some of those pieces into the, you know, more concrete figured out stage. And so grouping things under broader categories and then checklists. And if like, Another good forcing function about this is if if a item is too complex to fit on one line of a to-do list, then it's probably not fine-grained enough, you know. So, this is one of my go-to strategies for dealing with overwhelm is like, have I actually taken the time to write it all down and break it apart and try to organize it? Cuz that that almost inevitably helps a little bit at least. I have this this blog post brewing in my head which is something like uh, stupid brain tricks that shouldn't work nothing has actually changed or like I'm, I'm hacking my brain in a way that seems like if I were smarter or something, if, if my brain weren't such a primitive instrument, sometimes it wouldn't work. The one that comes to mind, like most clearly is setting an appointment for later to worry about something where it's like, I'm having anxiety about this thing. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to worry about this thing as much as I want to Saturday from one to three. And so for the next two days, I'm going to not worry about it because I have it on my calendar and I know that I'm going to come back to it and make sure to worry about it. It's the stupidest sounding thing. Uh, and yet it helps a little bit. You know, it's like none of these are like fully effective, but it's just like those, those dumb little tricks. Yeah, that's actually a good thing to keep in mind as I'm thinking about architecting level because a whole a big part of it is like this inbox is supposed to be that place for safekeeping where if lots of chatters happening back and forth decisions are being made questions are being asked you know how am i possibly going to keep being productive and also keep up with all of that the whole promise of level is to provide this place where like you can trust that Things will be well organized for you when the time comes for you to set down your, you know, deep work and and pop over to your communication type of stuff. I like that. Like there's some promise of like there's some of the organization will have been done for you already. Yeah. Yep. And if like there's a conversation that happened, it's resolved and it's closed. Well, then you probably don't need to worry about that. And so but there's just that state around it where it's like this has been resolved. And so no need to worry. Yeah, I like the idea of like the level inbox is a place where you're not, you don't go check it for the dopamine hit of I want to read something that's not focusing right now. And you don't feel stress when you open it because it's just like this unorganized mess of possibly things to do. There could be a really nice sweet spot in there. Yeah, I think it's gonna be hard to achieve, but I think it's possible. <laughs> so, I mean, it sounds good. Yeah. I think we're both working on things that are hard to achieve, but if we can make them happen, they'll be really good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's probably most products, actually. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> mm -hmm. All the easy stuff has a million competitors or has been exactly. done like to death or something. Yeah. So you're feeling uh, decent about your 
prospects of stuff to do and things to figure out? Yeah, I'm feeling more, uh, you know, mentally sound about it. And we'll probably continue plugging away on knowns, but also like giving deliberate attention. Like, I'm not sure how I'm going to track progress and make sure I'm staying on track and allocating my time properly. But I do, you know, at least it's visible now so that I can know that, like, if this column's not getting any shorter, then I need to probably, you know, back off on the racing forward on the knowns and focus a little more on the unknowns. Yeah, I like that. You can do a little seesaw back and forth, kind of. Yeah, man, that like focusing on the right thing has been on my mind a lot. That question is always in my head right now. It's it's such a difference to be doing your own thing, where it's like your actions have such a direct result on your f- destiny. The stress is higher and it's, <laughs> slacking off is not as rewarding. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I didn't really get much done this, this afternoon. And like, uh, you know, on a salary job, that's kind of like, haha, I got away with not working this afternoon so much. And, you know, no one notices uh, but it's like, well, the business will notice. Your future will notice. Yeah, now you're only robbing yeah. from yourself, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. I found myself today wanting to talk to CEO types of similar smaller software companies just to be like, what are you focused on? And like, what has been useful for you to pay attention to? Because the man, the list is so huge. And it's just, even when I am feeling productive on the stuff I am focused on, I'm still had this voice in my head. It's like, yeah, but is this the right stuff? Is this the best thing I could focus on? Is it f- like a false productivity because I'm actually pushing the wrong boulder up the wrong hill? At our stage, both of our stages, it's like, what are the highest leverage things that I can be doing? And I know you've identified some of those already, like the, you know, the quick calls to to score pre-sales. Like that's by all measures very high leverage, but not everything's going to be that that clear so then it's like you have you know 50 ideas of things you could be doing and it's hard to know it's impossible to know which ones you know you can't get a ranked list of them because you don't really know until you try them so exactly yeah and i think that's just the meta game is constantly evaluating what you should be working on and trying different things and paying attention and just trying to do the smartest thing you can and also probably part of that meta game is not worrying about it too much where it's like, yeah, you're going to mess up lots all the time. Just, you know, pay attention, iterate. Don't beat yourself up over mistakes. Keep making progress. Uh, just keep your head in the game. Probably if someone were to listen back over the last, say, 10 episodes of this podcast, when we talk about what we intend to do the next week, and then the next one comes around in our update to see like the asymmetry between what we actually did and what we said we would do, probably a big part of that is us just constantly reevaluating what's, you know, what's the proper course of action. It's not that we're slacking off or not not sticking to our public commitments, but it's like, oh, actually, I discovered something else has superseded what I thought I was going to be doing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also feel like people would look back at the episodes and probably note how much they are like therapy these days, yeah. I feel like. It's <laughs> yeah. like one-on-one therapy. Like, I feel like the thing I'm concerned with when you and I talk or like what I'm trying to suss out is like how where your head is at and how you're doing. Uh, and I'm, I'm sort of leaning on you for sort of the, a similar thing. Yep. That's the biggest risk for us right now, aside from, you know, the market and the technical stuff is, you know, are we staying sane <laughs> in this whole process? Yep. I will say I've, I mostly am. I mostly feel pretty good. My mood and is so tied to how much sleep I got. Like I'm, I'm struggling a little bit today because I, I got pretty bad sleep last night. I feel it behind my eyes. I feel it in my head. It is like this like lead weight in my brain. And it drags my mood down and it makes me more pessimistic and it makes me more frustrated easily. And it's just like, wow, it just, I have to keep telling myself on days where I'm sleep deprived, like, don't believe almost anything you think today. 
Like those feelings and those thoughts and those emotions are almost all garbage. And with a good night of sleep, I'll just be like, oh man, everything's all right. Like calm down, dude. You're okay. Yeah. And it's so funny. There's like such a long period of time. I feel like in my earlier 20s where I was just regularly staying up late, you know, writing code and just, you know, learning a lot during that phase, but being much more frivolous about the amount of time that I get to sleep. And I now look back at those days and I was like, yeah, I think, but you know, I was crashing pretty hard by most afternoons and I would drink caffeine and it would kind of mask it a little bit, but I was really operating at a fraction of what I could have been operating at. I think if I had just prioritized sleep, Mm -hmm. um, I think I got away with it a little bit better when I was younger. I didn't notice the effect quite as strongly. Yeah. And that's probably true that like we, like our bodies are more resilient to that when we're younger in general. Yeah. They're just more resilient to most things. So I wouldn't be shocked if this were one of them, but now it's like, man, it, it happens fast and hard a few, a few missed hours. And, uh, it's, it's pretty bad. So I have this older body that doesn't handle the lack of sleep quite as well, but I also have a slightly wiser brain that knows this about myself. And so like, I just, I literally spend the day just thinking like, all right, don't, don't think about it too much. Or like, don't, don't believe that thought. Do you take naps much? Kind of. Yeah, actually. I'm an okay napper. Like I might actually try to, to snag one right after this, this recording. I was going to say that that's probably the wisest thing is to like try to catch up on some of that sleep, you know? So then, yeah, I am considering giving up caffeine for a while because caffeine is nice because it gives you that kick in the morning, but then it makes it harder to like squeeze a nap in there for a few minutes if I'm sleep deprived and I, and I dump a bunch of caffeine in my system, it doesn't really help that much. I don't really feel like it, it has solved anything and it makes it so I can't really nap. So I can't actually give my body the thing it really wants. Uh, so I'm thinking about just, uh, I kind of want to pull back on that and have that flexibility. I would probably try experimenting with pulling it completely out. And then if you do add it back in, I know people who do like half a cup of coffee early in the morning and that's it, you know, just like very metered small doses as opposed to like the the full cups yeah and that's just that idea of like i didn't get very much sleep i'm tired liver let me, let me drink a lot of coffee doesn't work doesn't solve the problem i never like oh yeah now i feel great or even close unfortunately oh, but yeah i'm doing all right so let me talk about positive things so i was on vacation last week right before i left for vacation i realized that during that week i had not had any sales go through we hadn't done any pre-sales and so i just reached out to someone I picked someone off who had dropped their email in the tuple landing page mailing list thing and like looked for a good domain, checked out their about page, like this company seems good, reached out to that person, pitched him on signing up for the alpha, and he was like instantly in. We did like two or three emails back and forth. The total time was like three hours from first contact to like paid invoice. It was a six person team, which is pretty awesome. So sold six annual licenses to tuple, which is like pretty great. And it was like a really nice high note to, to leave on. Very nice. Yeah. Hustle. Again, it's that high leverage stuff where it's like it was not nearly the most amount of work I spent on a thing that week. But in fact, in terms of value to the company, it was probably the highest thing. And I took it on just kind of thinking like, let me just see if I can just make something happen in the afternoon that I have before I need to leave. Yeah. Rob talks about this a lot, too, where he's he's like, yeah, ever since, you know, leaving Drip, his days are usually sectioned up a little bit. I think the kids are home during uh, the summer and stuff. So he's like has like three hours here or two hours there. And he's like. I found those to be considerably more productive than, you know, days where I just have eight hours wide open to do whatever, because like just having a little bit of time to focus your efforts, just, I don't know, something about it, those constraints. I found the same thing. It's like the stupid brain trick again. 
Yeah. Another one it's of like, those. If you need to get a thing done, spend less time doing it. Like, what? Yeah. That, <laughs> that wouldn't work. Doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah, actually, your, your brain is dumb. So it kind of yeah. works. <laughs> so along those lines, by the way, I had a couple teams reach out to me after I mentioned on a previous podcast that I was looking for teams. And I was originally planning on recruiting 20 people into the alpha and then stopping that and then switching tasks, basically. But the more I talk to people and think about our ideal customer and whatnot, the more I realize it's teams of people that are probably going to be the best customers. It's just more more seats, more people, more money. So now my thought is I'd rather get to 20 teams in the alpha and then close that down. So the upshot is there are more spots. Again, if you are a team and you might be interested in a remote pair programming tool and you're willing to spend money on that to help fund the development and get a seat at the table and influence its direction, please do reach out to me because there's still some spots. Other than that, uh, my update is like fairly light because of that vacation. I have a, a thing that's coming up that I'm excited about where we are doing a tuple retreat, company retreat. Uh, Spencer's family has a place up in Maine. So the three of us are going up for uh, uh, the week. Cool. Yeah. What's the what's the agenda for the retreat? We don't know exactly. So we have a retro tomorrow and we want to basically figure out, okay, what should we do in the next week to set us up to have a great retreat? So that's that's sort of the open question right now. I did a founder retreat with with Rob and it was at a time where we felt like we needed to kind of get creative and think about things kind of outside the box a little bit and outside of our kind of office box that we had been thinking in. And it was a really uh, it was a really good productive time. Got to kind of bond a bit over the the shared challenges and struggles that we're going through with the business. So yeah. totally. I think getting out of the building is great. And also having a defined, again, it's that scoping thing, it's that time time boxing, where it's like, I'm sure we will want to come up with some things that we want to try to ship before the thing is over. And so that will force us to cut scope and focus and all that and decide on some things. So I think it will be a healthy experience there. Again, it's, like a, it's a brain thing. Like It shouldn't matter if we're writing code in Boston or writing code in Maine, but just the fact that like, oh, this is like a special thing and we want to get a thing done by the end of it, I think will will help focus us. So yeah, so we'll see what comes out of that. But uh, we've been cranking away on the native app. I can actually name drop our, our native person now because he said it was okay. Uh, so his name is Sam Dean and he uh, was the first full-time developer on Sketch. Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah. So he knows native Mac stuff uh, pretty well. Certainly a lot more than we do. So Sam has been helping us with, uh, like I said, that it's sort of initial setup of the project and the layout and the architecture and just understanding how dependencies work in macOS land, which is very different. I mean, everything's very different. So yeah, it's been really nice to have sort of a, uh, a guide and someone to ask questions of and all that. So he's been super good. I can totally recommend his, his help to other people. I saw you tweet something about uh, looking for pointers from folks on getting up to speed on macOS development is that yeah kinda... it's weird so it seems like a huge majority of the Apple related development tool chain learning stuff is uh, iOS focused and macOS seems to be uh, unloved uh, to some degree or at least just the volume is just not there so we'll we'll see what people say I think that I've already seen some good responses to that Twitter thread and again man it's just it's so nice to have a group of people to ask questions of yeah have that network um, yeah that's man is it useful because people are saying good things and useful things but it doesn't feel like the ruby world at all ruby as a culture seems to have like a really strong teaching vibe 
There's just like tons of courses and videos and books and all that stuff. And I don't know if it's a size difference, but it feels sort of like a cultural thing where it's just like, I think some of the early people in the Ruby world were really excited to evangelize it and felt like it was their job to help teach other people. And it just became sort of ingrained in the culture to some degree where I think maybe a language slash framework that is has a sort of corporate overlord. Everyone assumes that it's the corporate overlord's job to do that. And so no one does it, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like Ruby was very much people who are interested in that community and that language and the the tooling, you know, Rails and all that kind of stuff are like people who are more interested in developer happiness and the programmer experience. And maybe that's like kind of a self-selecting property of the group. Like they're just more likely to produce helpful content because it's, I don't know, just kind of in the nature of people who are attracted to it, perhaps. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's what's up with me. Not too cool. much again, kind of a, a light week. But yeah. Did you recall that this is episode 50? Oh my God, I did not. Podcast? Yeah, I just wow. noticed that because I looked in the file in the directory to see what the, the episode number for this file is going to be. I was like, oh man, this is 50. That's crazy. You know, yeah. I think I'm more excited about 52. Oh yeah? Oh yeah, because it's yeah year. Yeah, like 50 is the nice round number, but the, it's the mm-hmm. year where it's like, wow, we've marked a year of of togetherness actually it'll probably have been more because we skipped some right yeah but yeah 50 is probably it then all right this is the official one year anniversary <laughs> close enough cool how do you how do you feel looking back on a year of aop i feel like the podcasting journey goes by so fast and because you know before we did this we were we did i don't know 20 or 30 episodes of giant robots together i think and I don't know. It doesn't feel like I've been doing it that long. But when I look at the episode count, it's like, wow, this has been several years of of us doing this thing. So it's gone by fast. Um, I'm psyched we do it. This is like actually a highlight of my week is recording these. I enjoy it. And I, I am constantly pleased to hear from people that they find it valuable and they like it. If you were one of those people that like reaches out on Twitter and says, hey, like I really like that episode or like I, I enjoy this podcast. That is just such a nice thing to hear and, and see. Thanks to those people that do that. I'm humbled and happy that people have found it useful. Yeah, I am too. I mean, I, I'm still always kind of blown away that like, here we are, just two guys getting on a mic, talking about what we're working on. And I think it is kind of a relatable experience for a lot of people who are in the industry and um, maybe helps breaks down a little bit of that imposter syndrome because half the time we're just figuring it out, you know? So Totally. Kind of proof yeah. that that's really what we're all doing. So... I'm glad we can provide our story to the to the community and, and to the narrative. Same. Yeah, I'm glad it's it's like real over polished. Like as, a, as opposed to sort of a highly produced here is a prepared entree kind of thing for you. It's more like I'm very sleep deprived today and, you know, trying to deal with that and like weird brain tricks for dealing with some things like that. I like that uh, we, we're keeping it real. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah. So you think we should do 50 more? Let's do 50 more. Welcome. Remember when you d- you didn't want to record a podcast with me? Uh, <laughs> yeah, took a while for me to get over that fear of the mic a little bit. I feel like I should retell that story in honor of our fiftieth anniversary. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> All right. So I met you at MicroConf a couple of years ago, and you had reached out to me ahead of time and said, "Hey, let's chat when we're there." It was like the last night, I think, and we were at the like party. You came over and you were chatting, and you're like, "I wanted to pick your brain about a thing." I think what you said is. Um, I don't think I'll be at Drip forever. 
And one day I might want to have an audience of my own. When we started Drip, it was really helpful for Rob to have an existing audience. And I want to be able to contribute that to the next thing I build. And you're like, you seem to have done a decent job at uh, doing that over time. So what do you think? And we tossed around a few ideas. I think I may have said you should start a podcast at, at some point in there. I think it was pretty early on. You were like, you should start a podcast. I think those, it was those exact words. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're good for that. You know, it's like, it's, it's easy to relate to people when you hear them and in a different way than text. And they're not a ton of work if you outsource uh, the, the annoying bits. Yeah. Cause I, I think I was tossing around, like, should I try to start blogging regularly? And because I think you, with anything with podcasting or with writing, you just have to be super consistent, super regular with it. And it doesn't happen overnight. It's a long, it's a long journey, you know, to build up that, that steady growth and following. And so I was like, I don't know, should I, I was on the fence because blogging is just such a big time commitment, you know, especially if you're, if you're wanting to produce good quality content, that's well edited and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yep. Yeah. That was my recommendation. It was like podcast. And then like a week or two went by and I think I was talking to somebody about how to like freshen up giant robots. And I was like, Oh, wait a second. I should just have Derek co-host with this with me or at least as like a trial, like just do a few episodes and, and cause I want to hear about what's going on with drip and all that. And so I reached out to you and I was like, Hey, like we talked about podcasts. Why don't you just join me on this one? It's already there. It's already happening. Like you sh- we should just do this. And you said, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My initial reaction was like, Oh, giant robots. I've been listening to this podcast for a few years, I think, you know, cause I was in the Ruby Ruby world. I was like, I'm sure they have you know, thousands of listeners. I really feel like I don't know what I'm doing with podcasting and I probably don't have anything interesting to say and I'm probably going to sound stupid. All those, you know, things we tell ourselves. Yeah. I remember I I thought about it hard and I I don't know. I'm kind of surprised at myself that I didn't just force myself to say yes and stress about it later. But for some reason, I think it was maybe in August and I had moved like beginning of August. Anyways, I feel like I think there was just a lot happening with the transition. And so I think I use that as my excuse of like, I think you did. Yeah, my life's too chaotic right now. Yeah, you were like, I'm busy. I got a lot going on. Yeah. And I saw that. I was like, "Mm, yeah. And I decided to just like push you one more time. The natural response would just be like, all right, fine. But I sat on it for a little bit. And I was like, you know, I'm gonna try one more time. And so I just like responded like, yeah, I hear you. But like, you should do it anyway. It's not a big time commitment try a few like how about you do like five and then we'll just see how it goes or something and then you said yes yeah and i was like okay i think i think this is the the sign i needed like that you didn't cave right away or didn't agree like yeah you probably actually don't know what you're talking about so maybe we right. do this <laughs> yeah so it's, it's interesting like all the reasons you had for not doing it were like not because it wasn't good you know it was, it was all like brain stuff it wasn't because you didn't think it would be useful to you or, or educational or any of that. Yeah, I mean, it's like a lot of this psychological hurdles we put ourselves through. And like, I'm definitely an introverted person. And so identifying myself as someone who regularly gets on a microphone and talks seems to be dissonant with my personality. So like, how am I going to actually trying to convince myself, how am I actually going to be good at this? Or people are going to enjoy listening to this because I'm not like a, you know, natural talker necessarily. I'm usually the one who's listening more than talking so but it was a really good experience because you know those first few episodes i remember i kind of agonized after i was like we'd get off the recording on a walkway and be like i think that i think i tanked on that one that oh one wow i didn't know that not, yeah yeah but then i listened to the finished product and i was like okay this is like once i got got over the weirdness of hearing my own voice which i think everyone probably has to some degree i was like actually that was not that bad and then the next week 
came away with the same thing. Like, I don't know, that one was kind of rough. Like, I think, I don't think I did very well. And then listened to it again and same thing. And gradually I was like, kind of built up that confidence. Nice. But, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for pushing me. Thank you for pushing me yeah. to do, that, do this, you know? Thanks for changing your mind. I think it was a good call. I can't really imagine who else I would be doing this with. Yeah. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, I appreciate you too. Awesome. I think that's a good 50th recap. Yeah, I think so. How it all started. Yep. Do you want to tell people where they can find the show notes? Sure. They can find the show notes at artofproductpodcast.com. Thank you, as always, for listening. Yes, thank you. Bye.